Shalom. This is Rabbi David Tilkiger of Congregation Mayim Chaim, the Eastern Shores Messianic Synagogue in Daphne, Alabama. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast of our message from Shabbat service. We pray it is a blessing to you and that you see the beauty and light of Yeshua Meshicheinu Yeshua, our Messiah, in every word you hear. Amen. Avrachamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you for this holy Shabbat, this time that you have set aside for us to gather together as Mishpachah's family to worship you and to interact with your presence. Lord, I pray that uh, as we open up the word today that you will speak boldly uh, and clearly into our hearts and our lives, that it be your voice heard, your words received, and that nothing of me will be involved except that which you have ordained. B'Shem Yeshua Meshachinu. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. And everyone says... Amen. So this week we are uh, reading Parsha Bo from Exodus 10.1 through 13.16. Um, this is an uh, interesting Parsha, as they all are, obviously, but this is an interesting Parsha. It's the final three plagues that the Lord placed upon Egypt as he was preparing to bring Israel out of uh, Egypt and prepare them for the Promised Land. Uh, this is a really uh, powerful Parsha because there's a, a number of things that go on as we move through this. Uh, first and foremost, we see that, uh, that Pharaoh and Egypt literally give Israel everything they have, right? So they leave Egypt, although in a hurry and a rush, they leave rather wealthy and, and prepared for what the Lord has in store, which is perfect. Uh, it's almost as though God had a plan because the next thing he was going to have them do is build a tabernacle and the furnishings and everything that go with it, and they needed stuff to do that. Um, unfortunately, they also needed stuff to build the golden calf, which also happened, and we wish that hadn't. But alas, we see that they leave Egypt with all sorts of goodies. Um, in this Parsha, we read uh, numerous times uh, the Lord tell Israel that everything that he is doing in providing freedom and deliverance for Israel and all of the commandments with regards to how we are to memorialize or uh, continually, eternally continue to celebrate Pesach or Passover uh, is for one distinct purpose, for us to tell our children and our grandchildren and them to tell their children and grandchildren and so on and so forth uh, throughout history. And I thought this was really a, a powerful statement. It's really awesome because as we look through it, he says, I'm about to bring a couple of last plagues on, e on, on Egypt. This is the be beginning of the part. I'm about to bring a couple of last plagues on Egypt. These are going to be the biggest and baddest things I've done yet. Uh, it is going to wreck Egypt, but it is going to show you my power and deliverance for you. And you are going to tell your son and your grandsons about this from here out. And then as they continue on, he goes, and when you come into the promised land and your children ask, why is it we do this stuff? You're to tell them because of all the things the Lord did. And it's this constant idea of Lador Vador from generation to generation. And, and within Judaism, this is absolutely a vital and important reality for us uh, and something we hold to all, all the time. Even the Passover Seder is designed in such a way that we are able to tell our children and our grandchildren specifically about the divine works of God, the miraculous hand of Adonai and what he has done to bring us freedom and redemption and salvation. And as a Messianic community, as Messianic Jews, Messianic believers, we get to do the same thing, but we have the fullness of what that salvation really means. So if you'll turn to Exodus chapter 10, verse 21, there's a concept here that I really want to hone in on this morning uh, that I think is, is of great value. It's something that really 
popped to me this morning uh, as I was going through my notes or my, my passages for the message, and as I looked through the Parsha throughout the week and prepping and, uh, and uh, studying for this, it continued to come back to this one stream of, uh, of a few verses. Verse 21 says, Then Adonai said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, and there will be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness that may be felt. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was a thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They could not see one another, nor could anyone rise from his place for three days. Yet all B'nai Israel, all the children of Israel, had light within their dwelling. Um, this is the, uh, the, the, the ninth plague. We're, we're almost to that grand finale, if you would. Uh, not that the events of the tenth plague were so grand, but we're almost to the grand finale of the plagues. Uh, this plague comes immediately after the locusts, right? The locusts come in, they swarm, they destroy everything that's left from the hell, and, uh, and Pharaoh cries out, you know, pray to, to God, I'm sorry, I sinned, I repent now, pray to God that he bless me and all of this, uh, these locusts go away. And so Moses goes out and he prays and all the locusts flood, uh, flee and, and disappear. And all of a sudden, it seems like it's almost instantaneous, Pharaoh goes, ha ha, joke's on you, I'm going to make things rough anyways. And the scripture says the Lord hardened his heart uh, toward Israel and would not let them go. And immediately, I mean, every other plague, it's like there's a series of conversations of things that occur. And here we have the locusts, then we have the repentance, if you would, and then we have the prayer for, uh, for relief. And then immediately after uh, Pharaoh's heart turns, and right after that, Moses says, now raise your hands and darkness will come in. And as we look at this, the Hebrew word there for darkness is choshech, which we, we uh, mention in our Passover Seder as we're discussing the, uh, the plagues uh, and putting the drop of, of wine uh, with each of the plagues and so on. And here we see the, the Hebrew word is choshech, and choshech means dark, um, uh, literally darkness, figuratively misery, destruction, death, ignorance, sorrow, wickedness. Uh, it comes from the root word choshech, which means to be dark or withholding light. Merriam-Webster's dictionary defines darkness as uh, the very first definition we see is a, de uh, a, a devoid or partially devoid of light, not receiving, reflecting, transmitting, or radiating light. And then the third uh, uh, definition they give is arising from or showing evil traits or desires. Uh, as a matter of fact, even within science, you know, physics states that uh, darkness is not a reality in and of itself, right? We can measure light, we can measure heat, we can measure these things. We cannot measure darkness. Darkness in and of itself is actually just an absence of light. Just like cold is just an absence of heat, right? Cold isn't, you know, in physics isn't a real thing either. It's just less of something that's real, right? So we don't have heat. We don't have the, the warmth of the sun, so we have cold. We, you know, finally know all about that in Alabama after the last couple of days. Um, but we, we, we have cold, which is the absence of heat, and here we have darkness, which is the absence of light. And I think this is really important that we hone in on because the next thing we read right after this is it says, uh, they could not see, verse 23, they could not see one another, nor could anyone arise from his place for three days. Yet all B'nai Israel, all the children of Israel had light within their dwellings. Where did Israel reside? I mean, obviously in Egypt, but what was the name of the area they were in? Goshen, right? And so in Goshen, where Israel lived, where Israel was kind of cordoned off, if you would, from the rest of Egypt, there was light. And the light was in such a fashion that even though there was light there, 
None of the Egyptians were able to see it because of the, the literal tangible darkness around them. Uh, the Lord says that there will be darkness that could be felt. Anybody ever gone to like the Florida State Caverns or something like this, uh, where you go a mile underground or a little over a mile underground in these caverns, and they go, okay, we're going to turn out the lights so you can see what real darkness feels like. And they turn out the lights, and you literally can't see your hand in front of your face. You can't see anything. You can almost literally tangibly feel the darkness of upon you. Uh, it's really odd to be in this experience. Like, you, you know, a lot of times at night, even if it's really dark, you can still see like outlines of things and you, you don't see anything. Everything is completely gone. They even tell you, don't move, stand still. If you walk, you're going to hurt yourself or somebody else. Just stay put till we turn the lights back on and then you just hope the switch works. Uh, but as you go, as we, you go through this, you start to kind of grasp what this is. So all of Egypt had this, this surreal darkness overcome them. Uh, in such a way that they could feel it, they could experience it, they could see it. But Israel, on the other hand, was sheltered from it. Israel had this, this light that was allowed uh, in their midst. Uh, and I don't think it was just the light and the sense of they had candles burning and the candles didn't go out. I think it was literally what we see in Genesis 1 with creation. and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And that light, as John says, that light was the light of men, or the light of life, and that, that light was the, the light of Messiah. And we see all of this coming together. I think what Israel experienced in the midst of Egypt being buried in darkness, Israel experienced the presence of the Lord in their midst, the presence of Messiah in their midst, which provided the means for this light. We go forward a little bit into next week's Parsha, and we see Israel running to, their, they're at the Yom Suf, the Sea of Reeds, and Egypt's armies are crashing down upon them, and, and, and I always like to talk about how not only were Egypt's armies crashing upon them, but all they had was chariots, because Israel actually had all of their weapons. The armory were opened up to Israel. Israel left with all of Egypt's weapons. Egypt had nothing except chariots for warfare. And Israel standing there shaking in their sandals because Egypt's crashing down upon them while they were already physically, literally prepared for war. And so they're standing here at the Yom Suf, the Sea of Reeds. The Lord ends up, he removes his presence from in front of Israel. Remember at this point, we've already got the cloud of his presence, which provides light by night and, and smoke by day for Israel to see this pillar of God's presence leading them through the wilderness. This presence of the Lord actually lifts and it transfers behind Israel. And it serves as a barrier between Israel and Egypt. And much like this plague, on Egypt's side of the presence of the Lord was absolute darkness. They couldn't see anything. And on Israel's side of the presence of the Lord was light. They could see everything. Keep in mind, this is at night because they left at night, right? This is at night that Egypt had darkness and Israel had light. So we, we see this replication of this miracle happening where Israel and, and Goshen had light during this, five, this ninth plague while I Egypt was completely buried in darkness. And I think it's interesting that it says Egypt had the choshek, the darkness upon them, but darkness is simply the absence of light. And if we think about Israel having the light of Messiah, because whether or not they had the literal light of Messiah, they were the seed of Messiah, so the light of Messiah was carried within them. And that light of Messiah was there, was tangible, was real, was an expression they could grasp and hold on to. And the reality is, is Egypt, on the other hand, they just didn't have that light. They had an absence of that light. I don't know that it was a, uh, some weird, crazy, miraculous darkness that just suddenly came upon them, or if the favor that Egypt, that Israel had, even while in Egypt, was moved totally on Israel and void from Egypt. But either way it goes, Egypt was completely void of the light of God. 
and they had total and complete darkness. And this is a really interesting concept because if we look, moving through the scriptures, we look at Isaiah 42 verse 5. Isaiah 42, 5 says, Thus says God, Adonai, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and ruach to those who walk in it. I, Adonai, called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people as a light to the nations by opening blind eyes, bringing prisoners out of the dungeon and those sitting in darkness out of the prison house. And then we move forward to verse 16. It says, I will bring the blind by a way they do not know in paths they, do, they have not known. I will guide them. I will turn darkness before them to light and the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do and I will not forsake them. And it's speaking of this light of Messiah that will flow through Israel and through, uh, through the, the people of God in the future. And there's this beauty concept here going on, of this beautiful concept here going on of this light light of God that is upon the people of God that actually scares away the darkness of the world around us, scares away the works and the acts of the enemy. We go forward to Isaiah 49 verse 6 says, so he says, it is too, is it, it is too trifling a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the, the preserved ones of Israel. So I will give you a light for the nations, that you should be my salvation to the end of the earth. Thus says Adonai, the Redeemer of Israel, their Holy One, to the one despised, to the one the nations abhor, to a servant of rulers, kings will see and arise, princes will all bow, also bow down because of Adonai who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. Again, we see this idea of Israel being a light to the nations, of the people of God being a light to the nations, that this is what the Lord has saved this remnant of Israel for uh, in these days and what he is bringing them forth into the world to do and to be a part of uh, as he moves forward in his plan. We go to John 1, as I mentioned earlier, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made through him, and apart from him nothing was made that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. Much like Israel and Goshen, there was darkness all around them, yet this light, uh, this, this, this miraculous divine presence of light in their midst in Goshen was not being overpowered or consumed by the darkness. The darkness all around them, the absence of the light of Messiah all around them was being kept at bay by the light of Messiah, by the presence of the Lord in their midst and this miraculous work of the hand of Adonai that he was doing for our people. In uh, John chapter 8 verse 12, it says, Yeshua spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We go on to John 12, 35. Therefore, Yeshua said to them, the light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light so that the darkness will not overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light so that you may become sons of light. Yeshua, Yeshua spoke these things, then left and hid himself from them. Verse 44, Yeshua cried out, whoever puts trust in me believes not in me, but in the one who sent me. And whoever beholds me beholds the one who sent me as light. I have come into the world so that everyone who trusts in me should not remain in darkness. 
And then we move again to, uh, and I'm jumping all over the place here, and I recognize that, but we move again to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3. It says, In their place the God of this world was blinded, uh, has blinded the mind of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the good news of the glory of Messiah, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves but Messiah Yeshua as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Yeshua's sake. For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Messiah. And you guys have heard me talk about this before over and over again, that Israel was called out from among the nations for one distinct purpose, and that was to be a light into the nations. We were called out to carry the word and the relationship, uh, the word we got from the Lord, the relationship we had with the Lord to the nations in such a fashion that everybody that looked at us should have desired to have what we wanted, should have desired to be included in the covenant with the Lord, should have desired to be a part of Israel and be a part of the people of God. Israel fell to this miserably. We, we were really bad at it. We're still really bad at it. Uh, uh, and, and we began to hoard God's word. And, and a lot of that had to do with the response we had from the nations and how they, they ended up hating us and, and because of our own sins and so on and so forth. And we end up hoarding the word of God and this calling that God gave us to be a light to the nations, right? But then we move forward to the Brachadashah, the New Covenant writings, the, the New Testament and the Gospel, and we recognize that, that we finally see that this light that we are to carry, this light that we have been carrying as a people, the seed of for all of these generations upon generations, for millennia upon millennia, this light is the light of Messiah, the light that was the light at the foundations of creation that separated light from darkness, the light that came forth from God himself, that uh, enumerated the entire, illuminated the entire uh, galaxy around us. We move into Revelation and we recognize that this light that was seen as we look through the, the, the prophecies of the kingdom, uh, the eternal kingdom, we recognize that this light is the only light, that there is no day, there is no night, there is no darkness, there is just the light of Messiah. And that light cannot be overtaken by darkness. And then we move into the gospel and we recognize that John says over and over again, the light has come, that light is now given to us, that we have been brought into this covenant of salvation so that we can carry that light to the nations, so that we are that light. And he says, while you have the light, walk in that light. And, and by the way, I don't think it's just speaking. I don't think Yeshua is just speaking of while Yeshua was on earth as that physical, literal light, saying, well, while you have me around, make sure you walk in the light. I think he was talking even to us today as believers that we walk faithfully day in, day out, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, year by year, in the light and the presence of the Lord so that others see it and want it. Because the reality is, is any, anybody ever been there, and, and, and for some of you who stood for the Kaddish, maybe this is too soon, I don't know, but have you ever been there when somebody died, like when a, a close family member, a grandparent, a parent passed away, been in the room when that happens? The last thing they do is they breathe out, they exhale very deeply, and when they do, when that last little inkling of air comes out of their body, and I believe that's the breath of life leaving, when that last little inkling of breath comes out of their body, their eyes actually change, and they go dark. As a matter of fact, uh, the medical community often talks about the, the fact that the eyeball almost seems like an, a light, like a headlight. And when somebody's dead, those lights go out, literally go out, and the eye becomes dark, and it literally takes on an entirely different uh, presentation. 
And, uh, and I truly think as believers that we have this, this light that exists within us that we only have a short period of time to express to the world around us. We only have a short period of time to walk in this light of Messiah that Israel carried the seed for for so long. And, and we are called as Jew and non-Jew alike to go to all the nations that all may come to know Messiah and especially to go to the Jewish people that Jewish people may come to know Messiah so that we see this end time revival and usher in the return of Messiah. But the reality is, is we only have this short period of time to walk and operate in this light of Messiah. From the moment we come to faith to the moment the lights go out, to the moment we die, that's the time frame we have. And whether that's 50, 60, 70 years, or that's 10, 15, 20 years, or that's six days, it's a short period of time. And that's all we have. And we have to do as much impact for the kingdom of God as we possibly can with the light of Messiah that resides within us. Because you've got to understand, much like Israel and Goshen, in the midst of Egypt as a whole, Israel and Goshen had light. They had the light of Messiah, the presence of the glory of the Lord providing this miraculous divine light while there was this tangible, overwhelming, overpowering, all-consuming choshek, this darkness all around Egypt. Not because Egypt was covered in darkness, but because the light had been removed from Egypt. The light around us is very minimal. We carry a great light, but that light around us in terms of other believers in the midst of this globe uh, is very minimal because there's so much darkness, so much choshech in the world around us. Think back to your life before becoming a believer. Some of you that may have been when you were a kid, and it's hard to, to factor in what things were like then. For most of you, that was, you were probably adults or at least teenagers when you became a believer. And I can guarantee if you think back to your life before Messiah's entrance into your life, that all you can remember and all you can recall is darkness. You may have had some good gleaning moments, some, some glowing times of, of uh, uh, you know, good things happening here and there, but when we think back to uh, our lives before Messiah, all we can really think about is darkness because the absence of the light of Messiah is what gives us that darkness, what leaves that darkness in the world around us and in our lives. And so we have been given, as Isaiah says, we go back to Isaiah 40, uh, 42, he says, thus says uh, God, Adonai, who created the heavens and stretched, out, stretched them out, verse 5, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and ruach to those who walk in it. Uh, I, Adonai, called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the nations by opening blind eyes, bringing prisoners out of the dungeon and those sitting in darkness out of the prison house. You and I have been given the light of Messiah, not for our own good, not just for our salvation, not just so that we can boastfully enter the, the, the throne room of God, but we've been given the light of Messiah's salvation itself for those around us. So that in the light that resides in our lives, when we walk faithfully in it, those around us will see it and will find freedom and redemption, salvation. The chains will be broken. The prison doors will be opened and they will be able to come out of the choshech, out of the darkness into the light that is the light of Messiah, that is the light of all men, that is the light from the foundations of creation, that is the light of life that gives us and brings us into eternal life. And unfortunately, a lot of times as believers, we find ourselves being Israel in the wilderness, having the light, the literal, tangible absolutely visible light of Messiah, directly in front of us, directly involved in us, directly in, in our lives, 
and yet we hoard it and we grasp onto it and we don't share it with anyone else or we, we cover it by trying to appease the world around us by wanting to look like them or act like them so that nobody thinks we're weird and we're standing out awkwardly. But you know what? Yeshua said the world is going to hate us because of him, so who cares what they think? Who cares what they think? We have been called to be something greater. We've been called to be set apart, righteous, and holy. We've been called to walk in the light that has been given to us so that the world around us, who may think we are weird, will go there's something to that weirdness, though. And when people see that presence of God, that divine light of his presence in our lives, it does impact them. It changes them. I think it's important, and we've talked about this a lot in recent months, we've got to understand that we live in days where living and breathing and walking in that light of Messiah is of the utmost importance. Because the world around us is only getting darker. The choshet, the absence of light, is only continuing to grow around us. Just look at the body of Messiah. We don't even have to look outside of the body of Messiah. We don't even have to worry about non-believers at the moment. Let's just look at the body of Messiah. And how rapidly the body Messiah is declining in our desire to actually be set apart righteous and holy. How rapidly we're trying to change the way we do things and the way we present the gospel of Messiah so that we don't offend people. Or so that we don't actually have to call people out of sin. Because heaven forbid we do that, right? Heaven forbid we call sin what it is. Of course, in order to call sin what it is, we have to be willing to accept that there's sin in our lives too. Willing to bet that nine times out of ten, those that are trying to placate sin are only trying to placate sin so that they don't feel guilt, shame, and condemnation for the sin in their lives. It's important for us to understand that it's not just a matter of calling out sin in other people's lives. It's not just a matter of the light of Messiah shining forth in our lives to grab a hold of other people's lives just so that they find salvation, just so that they find freedom. But it's important that we do this because we have a mandate from God to see the world around us come to salvation. We have a mandate from God to see Israel come to salvation, to see Israel find finally the light of Messiah that we did in fact carry for so many years the seed of. Find the light of Messiah so that you and I and the rest of the body of Messiah may experience life from the dead as Romans 11 talks about. It's important that we as believers as a whole, not just the Messianic Jewish community, but the body of Messiah as a whole, return from the mentality of being scared of what the world may think to a mentality of, you know what? We're in Goshen, the light is here. People will see the light and they'll come to us. You and I live in a world of darkness. We work in a world of darkness. We go to school in a world of darkness. We pump gas in a world of darkness. We buy groceries in a world of darkness. Everyone around us is suffering in one way or another. And it is important that you and I recognize that we have been given the light of Messiah so that as this passage from Isaiah 42 says, the eyes of the blind will be opened, the prisons will be opened, uh, bringing prisoners out of the dungeon and those sitting in darkness out of the prison house. You and I have been freed from the prison of darkness. And it's important that we share that freedom to the world around us. Now you've got to understand, when we talk about somebody, you see somebody that's just absolutely giddy, right? They're always happy. You, ever see, you know that person, they can't stop smiling and giggling and, and everything is like rainbows and sunshine. And it's the greatest thing in the world, right? When you look at them, there's this radiance about them, right? I don't care who it is or how annoying they may be to you. There's this radiance about it that you can't deny, right? You cannot deny this radiance about them. Unfortunately, often the body of Messiah, albeit we have that light within us, people don't see that radiance. They don't see that happiness. They don't see that joy. As a matter of fact, the world around us looks at most of the body of Messiah 
And you and I at one point or another, and perhaps even right now, are equally guilty of this as anyone else in the body. The world around us looks at the body of Messiah. They look at us, and they go, cool, you got light, but all I see is depression. All I see is sadness and sorrow, so I already have enough of that in my life. Why do I need this light of Messiah in my life so that I can find more of what I already have and don't want? We say it every week in our service, happy are those who dwell in your house. How many of us are actually happy to be in his house? And I don't just mean in the synagogue every week. Day in and day out, we have a, a, a mandate from, from God in Hebrews to boldly enter the throne room of God. How many of us are actually happy to be there? Unfortunately, most of the world sees us and they see anger. They see depression. They see sorrow, sadness, pain, anguish. They see all of the things that they already have enough of and are trying to find hope from. But the Lord has called us to be set apart righteous and holy in his presence, in his light, so that others around us who are, in fact, devoid of light will see the light in our lives, will be impacted by the light in our lives, and will find the light of Messiah in their lives. It's important that we recognize that the world around us is still suffering the plague of Choshech, the plague of darkness. And that final grand finale plague of death is coming rapidly. As the end approaches us, death is coming rapidly. And it's important that we recognize that unlike Israel protected in Goshen, separate from the darkness that was overwhelming Egypt, you and I, in fact, do live in the midst of the darkness. That darkness cannot, should not overcome us cannot and should not overcome the light that is within us. Instead, the radiant glory of the presence of the Lord in our lives should overcome the darkness around us. People should see that we are happy to be in the house of the Lord. People should see that we are happy to have the light of Messiah in our lives. People should see that we are happy to experience salvation and freedom that has been given to us so that they want it too. Not so that they look at us and go, but your life looks as wrecked as mine does. Your life looks as, as horrible as mine is. What is there that's benefit for me from all this you keep talking about? It's time that we stop talking and we start living in the light of Messiah. Amen. Avrahamim, Father of mercies, we worship you. We love you and we adore you. Father, I thank you that you have, in fact, not only given us salvation and the blood atonement of Messiah, but you have placed the literal light of Messiah into our lives, into our hearts. And Father, I pray for each and every person in this room, each and every person listening to this online, that Father, we will see an overwhelming radiance of your glory, of your light overflowing us right here, right now, this very second, Lord, that we will fill the tangible presence, the warmth of your light upon us. That when we walk out of this place today, that lives will be impacted instantly because of you and our lives because of our joy to be in your presence, because of our joy of our salvation, because we, in fact, have found freedom and, and the bondage, the chains have been broken, the prison doors have been swung open in our lives, and we are able to walk faithfully and boldly and the freedom, redemption, and salvation that you have given us, which was given as a foreshadowing in Egypt uh, as Israel was brought out in the great exodus from Egypt into the wilderness, Lord, and ultimately into the promised land. Let us recognize that that was a foreshadowing of the freedom that we have in fact experienced now here in this world. Father, that we have in fact experienced freedom from the bondage of the enemy in our lives and especially that of sin and darkness of this world. 
And Father, use us for your glory, for your holy name, that others may come to know salvation and find the light of Messiah in their lives because of what you have done and what you are doing day in and day out in our lives. In the name of Yeshua, our Messiah, we pray. Amen.